Holy Father in heaven, glory be unto your name, Lord, for giving us another opportunity to fellowship with you. As we fellowship with you, we ask, please grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, that the fruit of the Spirit shall be seen in our lives as we have as we partake of the divine nature put your words in my mouth dear lord and grant me of your spirit also that as the words are spoken it shall be spirit and life and sanctification to all of us who are listening thank you lord for hearing and answering our prayers in jesus name i've prayed amen Conflict and Courage, September 24 A Living Sacrifice With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give Him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to Him and acceptable by Him. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 The Lord has been calling the attention of his people to health reform. This is one of the greatest branches of the work of preparation for the coming of the Son of Man. John the Baptist went forth in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. John separated himself from friends and from the luxuries of life. The simplicity of his dress, a garment woven of camel's hair, was a standing rebuke to the extravagance and display of the Jewish priests and of the people generally. His diet, purely vegetable of locusts and wild honey, was a rebuke to the indulgence of appetite and the gluttony that everywhere prevailed. Those who are to prepare the way for the second coming of Christ are represented by faithful Elijah, as John came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for Christ's first advent. The great subject of reform is to be agitated. Temperance in all things is to be connected with the message, to turn the people of God from their idolatry, their gluttony, and their extravagance in dress and other things. The self-denial, humility, and temperance required of the righteous, whom God especially leads and blesses, is to be presented to the people in contrast to the extravagant, health-destroying habits of those who live in this degenerate age. There is nowhere to be found so great a cause of physical and moral degeneracy as a neglect of this important subject. Those who indulge appetite and passion and close their eyes to the light for fear they will see sinful indulgences which they are unwilling to forsake are guilty before God. Whoever turns from the light in one instance hardens his heart to disregard the light upon other matters. Whoever violates moral obligations in the matter of eating and dressing prepares the way to violate the claims of God in regard to eternal interests. Our bodies are not our own. 
God has claims upon us to take care of the habitation he has given us, that we may present our bodies to him a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Living Sacrifice. And our key text is taken from Romans chapter 12 verse 1 that says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This devotion is mainly about health reform in eating and dressing, temperance you may say, in all things. The focus will be on these two things, but especially on the one that we have not touched, which is dress. In the devotion of September 22, we looked at the reform in diet and in many other things. But one thing we haven't looked at is the reform that we should have in dress. Looking at the life of John the Baptist, the Bible is very careful to take note of his dress and in that dress of John the Baptist there is a lesson for us and the lesson is that we also need to rebuke the dress the extravagance and the indulgence in the passion and fashion of dress today as reformers we read in Conflict and Courage, page 273, paragraph 4, it says, Whoever violates moral obligations in the matter of eating and dressing prepares the way to violate the claims of God in regard to eternal interests. Our bodies are not our own. God has claims upon us to take care of the habitation he has given us, that we may present our bodies to him a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, end of quote. Did you get that heavy statement, the first one? That when we violate our, not health obligations now, but moral obligations in two issues, eating and dressing, it prepares the way to violate the claims of God in regard to our eternal interests. The matter of dress is not a small matter, it's a very important matter. The life of John the Baptist is a typical example of the life of those who are to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord the second time. He was a health reformer and a dress reformer. Before his birth, his parents were told of the way he was to be taken care of in order for him to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be to continue to be filled because he was already filled with the Holy Ghost from his womb. One of the instructions was received concerning his diet. And that is in Luke chapter 1 verse 15 where he was told, where the parents were told that he was not to take strong drink or wine. And they brought him up in a certain way. How did the parents understand this? Was it just about strong drink or wine? No. In Matthew 3 verse 4 we are told, and the same, and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a laden girdle about his loins and his meat was locust and wild honey. So, 
this instruction given by Gabriel to the parents of John the Baptist was not just about him not taking wine and strong drink, but it was something that they understood to be beyond just the word wine and strong drink. They made him to be a health reformer. He did not take any flesh food and they made him to be a dress reformer. They trained him up in that way and he did not dress in the way that the people around him dressed. His dress was something something that people would see and they would be impressed with the holiness and purity of the Lord. Two areas of John the Baptist's life on record for us to contemplate is what we are looking at, dress and diet. And we are instructed that we are like John the Baptist and Elijah who are to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. Like we read in the devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 273, paragraph 3. John separated himself from friends and from the luxuries of life. The simplicity of his dress, a garment woven of camel's hair, was a standing rebuke to the extravagance and display of the Jewish priests and of the people generally. His diet, purely vegetable of locust and wild honey, was a rebuke to the indulgence of appetite and the gluttony that everywhere prevailed. End of quote. In our de- devotion yesterday, we already looked at the gap from the days of Nehemiah to the days of John the Baptist. When you hear that his dress was a rebuke to the priest, you should understand what this means. Remember that these priests these priests were also kings now and they had that mindset of being kings even though they had been dethroned but for many years about almost 150 years the priests of Aaron's family the men like Mathathias, Judas, Jonathan, Simon, John Hyrcanus, his children Antigonus and uh, Alexander, Janus, all of them had made themselves to be the rulers over the whole of Israel, not just in spiritual things, but in also civil matters. They had taken themselves to themselves, especially the last ones, John Hyconus and Alexander Janus, they had taken to themselves the position of kings. Do you understand what that means? This is supposed to be Aaron's family. And now, what do you think their dressing was like? Of course. They will be dressing in priestly robes. And remember that John the Baptist is also from the lineage of Aaron. His father, Zechariah, was also a priest. And that is, for you to be a priest, you must be from Aaron's family. But he stood against his own family members. He stood against his own people by showing them a different way to live. He rebuked them by his dressing. You see those Pharisees and Sadducees who were, com- who were coming to meet him, not all of them were priests of course, not all of them were from the tribe of Levi. Some Pharisees are Benjamites, some are from the tribe of Judah, but a lot of them are, are Levites, are from the tribe of Levi. And he saw these things and the Lord raised him up to show a different example to the people of what it means to be a reformer or what it means to be a child of God. And he lived first of all in his dress in simplicity and secondly in his diet like we read vegetable of locusts and wild honey in opposition to the feasting and the luxurious type of eating that these priests had now adopted throughout those years when they were kings so let us look at the matter of dress reform for ourselves today how are we to reform ourselves in dress no different way than that which john did the word of god is our guide 
God has always been interested in how we dress. If we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, we must look into how we present ourselves in dress. We must have the image of God. When God created Adam and Eve, he made them in his image. But what is the image of God? Psalm 101 verse 1 and 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. Thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. Who stretchest thy out the heavens like a curtain. Amen. So God was God is covered with light. When Adam and Eve were created, the Bible says that the Bible says that they were naked but not ashamed. How is it possible for someone to be naked and not ashamed? Just look at the light bulb and you would understand. When the light bulb is switched off, it is naked and you can see the filament and everything about the bulb. But when that light is put on and is shining bright, all you can see is the light. You cannot see the filament that is producing it because it is an emanating light. That is how Adam and Eve were clothed like God with light. But when they sinned, something happened. Genesis 3 verse 7 says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Let me just remind us, do you remember what we studied yesterday, how that the Sadducees, which were the Hellenists, had already adopted, and they were priests, remember, they had adopted the culture of the Greeks in their dress and also even I didn't mention this, but they were even adopting their names. All these names you are hearing are Alexander. Those are Greek names. Even the word, the name Jason, is a, is a Greek name. When you hear Alexandria, it is a Greek name for Salome. All those names were Greek names that were adopted by these priests, and their dressing was also adopted. So you would understand why why John the Baptist's dress needed to be a rebuke and so it is with us today the Christian world has adopted the dressing of the world around them and like John the Baptist we must have a different style of dress that is in opposition to the apostasy in dress occurring in the Christian world and it's not something we are creating for ourselves we are going back to the word of God like I've just said when Adam and Eve sinned they became naked and they sowed fig leaves for themselves but one thing God was particular to take note of is this dress. He didn't leave them in their fig leaves. Genesis 3 verse 21 says, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Remember in Genesis 3 verse 7, it says that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So God changed the material and the style. They used the material of leaves. And then the style was apron, which would have some part of their bodies exposed. Do you know that that's how Romans dress? And that's how the Greeks dress. You can just look at the pictures and it's not a misrepresentation. They are usually half naked. Remember that these, these Romans, these Greeks will go to the gym naked. They, are, they don't have any scruples wearing pants and running all over the place, wearing shorts and running, saying they are playing football or saying they are doing one athletic sport or the other. They were stark naked. Today is even better. They are wearing pants. They were stark naked. When you watch sports, what is it like? The same thing. Always nakedness, nakedness, nakedness. Swimming, nakedness. Wrestling, nakedness. Boxing, nakedness. Athletes, athletics, whether it's running or track and field, nakedness. Football, they just wear a shirt, but it's still a short. It's still uh, half naked, I'll call it so. 
and they don't have a problem when they score a goal they remove their shirt they roll it up it's still nakedness 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 this is what the jews who were the hellenists had adopted they had adopted not just their beliefs but also their dress and god doesn't like nakedness adam and eve they sold for themselves clothes that were like that of the greeks and the romans the lord saw it and changed it and he gave them instead of aprons coats that will cover them from the top to the bottom now it's important for us to know that this matter of nakedness is not something the lord loves leviticus 20 verse 17 says and if a man shall take his sister his father's daughter or his mother's daughter and see her nakedness and she see his nakedness it is a wicked thing and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people he hath uncovered his sister's nakedness he shall bear his iniquity just in case you are thinking your mind wants to spiritualize the meaning here of uncovering nakedness and you think oh maybe sexual intercourse is referring to let me remind you that ham saw noah's nakedness and was cursed for it his two brothers ham's two brothers shem and japhet they refused to see noah's nakedness they covered it and they were blessed for it so it is a literal thing even your father not to talk of a woman the opposite sex even your own sister your father's nakedness you are not to see it is a shame it is according to the bible not my words a wicked thing and if you are like ezra if you are like ezra who will read the word of god and follow it word for for word ezra read about the moabites who are not to come into the house of the lord and immediately he took them out he read about how they are not to do intermarriage and when he saw that the children of israel had married the unbelievers they he cut them off and made sure that everybody separated what do you think ezra will do with this passage that says if a man take his sister and his father's daughter or his mother's daughter and see her nakedness and she see his nakedness is a wicked thing what do you think ezra will do with it he will take it literally and if you are a reformer you will take these words literally we need to have a reform in our homes we need to have a reform in our own lives parents when you are bringing up your children wean them off nakedness it is not best to allow children to get accustomed to running around the house naked just because you and your child are alone in the house doesn't mean that you should allow them to continually be naked i am saying this because i have been to homes where the children cannot differentiate between a stranger and their parents they see their parents and know, okay i can stay naked around my parents but when a visitor comes to the house they don't know that they are not supposed to do that so the only way they will learn it is when you teach them to dress properly in your own presence then they will know that even when visitors come to the home they should dress properly that they should take their bath in privacy and they should dress up in privacy i say this because i have seen it some children don't know that when they take their bath they're not supposed to come out naked when they are strangers in the house why because that's what they do when they are alone with their parents they have not learned it they think it's the same thing so let us learn to instill this thing in the mind that the lord does not like one like us seeing each other's nakedness like the greeks were doing like the hellenist jews were doing dressing in naked clothes that make them all but naked and then remember that we read that we are responsible 
to take care of ourselves in the matter of dress. These words we read in Conflict and Courage, page 273, paragraph 4. Whoever violates the moral obligations in the matter of eating and dressing prepares the way to violate the claims of God in regard to eternal interest. There are moral obligations in dressing. And God holds us responsible for what we wear because our dress has a has the capability of inspiring certain thoughts in the mind of those who see us. In the book of Proverbs 7, we read about this simple boy who was led astray by harlot. I want to pick out some things about this woman. In Proverbs 7 verse 10, it says, Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. So the Bible is careful to mention her dress. She dresses like a harlot. That is, of course, revealing the body parts dressing in such a way to seduce. Proverbs 7 verse 21 then says that she is the one that is held responsible. And the reason I'm saying this is because there are some people who would say, why can't you control your eyes? Must you be moved by this? Of course, many people can control their eyes and choose not to be moved by the seduction of those who are dressing inappropriately. But that doesn't take away the blame from the person who dressed inappropriately. Here now, in Proverbs 7 verse 21, it says, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. So who is the Bible blaming? It's blaming the woman. Verse 26 and 27 says, she, not he, not his stupidity, but the Bible is blaming her. It says, she hath cast down many wounded. Yeah, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Amen. So here it is that the word of God is telling us that we are going to bear the responsibility for the kind of thoughts that we arouse in the minds of those who behold us based on our dress, whether it is holy or unholy, pure or impure. Remember the women of the Midianites? How that Moses said that they should be killed because they were responsible for the bringing down of the children of Israel? Let's have that in mind to know that we bear responsibility for our words, for our thoughts, and for everything we do to inspire certain things in the minds of people, whether it's good or evil. So, what is supposed to be the characteristics of our dress? It is supposed to be what God chose for the priests, because we are royal priesthood, we are a holy nation, and God wants us to have the same kind of characteristics in our dress that he prescribed for the priests of Israel. Reading from The Faith I Live By, page 195, paragraph 3, we are told, in accordance with their office, a special dress was appointed for the priests. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. So what are the two things God said? Glory and beauty. That was the divine instruction to Moses. Everything connected with the apparel and deportment of the priest was to be such as to impress the beholder with a sense of the holiness of God, the sacredness of his worship, and the purity required of those who came into his presence. Not only the sanctuary itself, but the ministration of the priests was to serve unto the example of shadow of heavenly things. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. End of quote. So, the characteristics of our dress should be it should be like something that is for glory and also it should be beautiful but it should be characterized by um, impressing others with a sense of the holiness of god the sacredness of his worship and the purity required of those who come into his presence so ask yourself 
what are the things that I will dress with that will inspire a sense of holiness and purity in the minds of those who are looking at me? If your mind is sanctified, you will know. But we will get into the specifics. Like we have already been going, we've seen first of all the principle that God gave to the to Adam and Eve quotes. That means one principle is that we should be completely covered and do not reveal body parts or accentuate them. Even if you are completely covered, you shouldn't wear tight fitting clothes that would make it look like you are not even dressed at all. That will accentuate your body parts that would arouse impure thoughts in the minds of others, both male and female. Not just females now, in case you are thinking that it's just females, but both male and females. We should not do that. Again, we read now from Testimonies, Volume 1, page 461, paragraph 1. The form, that's the form of the body, should not be compressed in the least with corsets and whale bones. That's what they were using in those days. But today, we have all kinds of tight-fitting clothes. We shouldn't compress ourselves with our dress. The dress should be perfectly easy, that the lungs and heart may have healthy action. So here, we are seeing the connection of dress with health reform. The way you dress affects your health. Not just moral things now, but now we're looking at health. The dress should reach somewhat below the top of the boot, but should be short enough to clear the filth of the sidewalk and street without being raised by the hand. A still shorter dress than this would be proper, convenient and helpful for women when doing their housework, and especially for those who are obliged to perform more or less out-of-door labor. With this style of dress, one light skirt or two at most is all that is necessary. And, th- and this should be buttoned onto the waist or suspended by straps. Of course, zips too are acceptable. The hips were not formed to bear heavy weight. The heavy skirts worn by some, today not many people wear these kind of heavy skirts being referred to. The heavy skirts worn by some and allowed to drag upon the hips have been the cause of various diseases which are not easily cured. The sufferers seem to be ignorant of the cause of their sufferings and continue to violate the laws of their being by girding their waists and wearing heavy skirts until they are made lifelong invalids. When told of their mistake, many will immediately exclaim why such a style of dress would be old-fashioned. What if it is? I wish we could be old-fashioned in many respects. If we could have the old-fashioned strength that characterized the old-fashioned women of past generations, it would be very desirable. I do not speak advisedly when I say that the way in which women clothe themselves together with their indulgence of appetite is the greatest cause of their present feeble diseased condition. There is but one woman in a thousand who clothes her limbs as she should. Whatever may be the length of the dress, the limbs should be clothed thoroughly as are the man's." End of quote. So, here we are seeing the connection of dress with the health. As we just read now, the limbs should be clothed properly. You know, many men wear trousers and their limbs are clothed. And the reason why the limbs should be properly clothed is because the limbs need blood and they are far away from the heart. The torso, that's where our, most of our organs are, the heart, the kidney, the lungs, the liver, they are all in our torso, that's the chest and the stomach region. This region is very close to the heart and they do not lack blood. But there's the fact that blood flows from to regions that are actually 
hot. When a region is cold, blood will not go there. And the feet being far away from the heart will usually get cold. And that's why we usually talk about developing cold feet. That is the first place that gets cold because it's the farthest from the heart. The brain is not far from the heart. The head is not far from the heart. The hands are not far from the heart. The chest is where the heart is. So nothing there is lacking their blood. But when we make the leg cold by not clothing it properly, it gets chilled. The blood is chilled back up to the heart. And then it is clogging all those organs and even to the brain and it will cause disease. So how do we remedy this? Clothe the limbs so that it can be warm and then blood can now flow there away from the heart, away from the brain to the legs and to the feet. That is the solution. So we are looking at dressing two facets, the moral side and the health side. In the moral side, we've said no nakedness because you need to impress the mind of those who look at you with purity, with holiness, with the sacredness of the worship of God. And now, on the health side, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is dwelling in you. And if you want the Holy Ghost to dwell in you, you must keep the body both morally and healthfully good. We've looked at the moral side. Now, the health side is that you have to be in good condition of health. And what we have just said about dressing completely covered helps the bloods to flow in the right direction but even if you cover the limbs and you have too many clothes in the torso that place will still be warmer than the limbs so you will need to have more clothing on the lid from the uh, waist downward than on the chest so that the blood can evenly flow now the next thing we look at in dress because we have just talked about closing the limb covering the limbs we have to look at gender specificity because god talked about it in deuteronomy 22 verse 5 god said it is not right for a woman to be dressed in man's clothing that's in bible in basic english we know it in the king james version that by says it says the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are abomination unto the lord thy god let us put our ezra hats now let us put our caps ezra caps to interpret the word of god literally and to depend on the spirit of prophecy for interpretation so what does god mean when he says that there should be a difference in the dress of the man and the woman. Many people want to spiritualize this passage out of meaning and say, oh, we don't know what it means, but we have to break it down and understand. In the days of the Israelites, did God select a kind of dress for the men and for the women? Oh, yes, he did. In the book of Exodus 28, verse 41 and 42, we see God selecting a kind of dress for the priests, which were men. It says, these you are to put on Aaron, your brother. This is God talking. He says, these are the clothes you put on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons. He's talking to Moses, of course. Putting oil on them, separating them, and making them holy to do the work of priest to me. And he says, you are to make them linen trousers, covering their bodies from the middle to the knee. And then in Exodus 39, verse 27 and 28, Moses did what he heard that the Lord said he should do. He says, the coats of Aaron and his sons, they made of the best linen and the twisted headdress for Aaron and beautiful headdresses of linen and linen trousers. And in Leviticus, Leviticus 6 verse 10, then we hear about Aaron wearing it. He says, and the priest is to put on his linen robes and his linen trousers. Many do not know that this thing called trousers is in the word of God. Even many theologians, they say, oh, everybody dressed the same way in the past. Really? No. God prescribed trousers for men. 
and you know that we are reading here that it was a priest that was wearing it also in leviticus 16 verse 3 and 4 here god was speaking again and said let aaron come into the holy place in this way this god specified both his dress and the things he should come with now this is the way he was to come with an ox for a sin offering and a male sheep for a burnt offering let him put on the linen holy coat so you can wear your suit and the linen trousers on his body and the linen band round about him and the linen headdress on his head for this is holy clothing and before he puts them on his body he is to be washed with water amen the scriptures are plain if you go to the king james version by the way you will hear it as breeches breeches is the same thing as trousers you hear some others say hose hose as you know trouser but many ladies wear it out today without a covering in Daniel 3 verse 21, we now see that it is not just priests who were wearing it. Even Daniel and his brothers, they wore trousers. It says in Daniel 3 verse 21, talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it says, Then these men had cords put round them as they were in their coats, their trousers, their hats, and their clothing, and were dropped into the burning, flaming fire trousers were at were an article of dress for the jewish men and for the israelites as far back as the days of moses till further in the days of daniel they were always wearing trousers no there is not one mention of the women of god wearing trousers but i'll tell you who was wearing trousers i had this discussion with one man who was trying to prove that trousers should be worn and he made a mistake of telling me that the trousers were always worn by Persian women and in the days of old women always wore trousers it's not a new thing so we can wear trousers he forgot he forgot that Persian women are not Christian women in very fact that is the reason why God wrote down in the Jeremiah 22 verse 4 verse 5 don't dress like them the wearing of trousers by women was a hidden pagan practice but God told his people there must be no cross-dressing. Go and research about the Greeks. The Greeks were largely gay, homosexual people. Not that they were, they were, it was practiced by most people, but they had a lot of them. Those men who usually go to the gym naked, many of them were homosexuals. And many of them would dress like women. There was a lot of cross-dressing among the Greeks. And were they the first to do it? No, they were not the first. It was always a hidden thing. You heard about when we studied about Solomon and also studied about his son Rehoboam and his mother Neymar. What were they doing? They were sodomites in the land. What do you think sodomites do? They always do cross-dressing. Men will dress like women and women will dress like men. And that was the reason why God wrote Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. Do not do like them. There must always be a plain distinction between the dress of the man and the woman and then he decided what that distinction should be you men the particular article of dress that is different from that of the woman is the pants the trouser does it mean that women can't wear shorts inside their dress of course they can't wear shorts inside their dress they can wear three quarters inside their dress but outwardly as we look we must be able to tell who is a man and a woman there should be that dress that a woman wears. The Bible says that she should wear the apparel. I'm reading now to confirm this more directly, just in case you may think that this is just my own words. From the Testimonies, Volume 1, page 459, paragraph 7 and downward, it says, There is still another style of dress which is adopted by a class of so-called dress reformers. 
They imitate the opposite sex as nearly as possible. They wear the cap, pants, which is trousers, vests, coats, and boots. The last of which is the most sensible part of the costume. I'll stop here. That means she's not saying that everything here is bad. Even the last part, which is the boots, she says that one is sensible. How about the coats? We've already seen that God made coats for Adam and Eve. So she's not saying that that was the real problem. Then what of the vests and inner wear? The real problem here was with the pants. Because even women can cover their heads. Because these are the things listed here. Cap, women have their own style of it. Then we have the vests inner wear which is something just wear inside it's okay coats we already seen that eve had coats and then the boots shoes it's okay to cover the legs and she said that one is even sensible because most women uh, women's sh- uh, shoes today are usually slippers their legs are not properly covered so the one thing that is different here is the trousers the pants and she says those who adopt and advocate this style of dress carry the so-called dress reform to very objectionable lengths. Confusion will be the result. Some who adopt this costume may be correct in their general views upon the health question, but it would be instrumental in accomplishing vastly more good if they did not carry the matter of dress to such extremes. In this style of dress, God's order has been reversed and his special directions disregarded. And what's that? Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord their God. God would not have his people adopt this style of dress. It is not modest apparel, and is not at all fitting for modest, humble women who profess to be Christ's followers. God's prohibitions are lightly regarded by all who advocate doing away with the distinction of dress between males and females. The extreme position taken by some dress reformers upon this subject cripples their influence. God designed that there should be a plain distinction between the dress of men and women and has considered the matter of sufficient importance to give explicit directions in regard to it. For the same dress worn by both sexes would cause confusion and great increase of crime. Were the apostle Paul alive and should be and should he behold women professing godliness with this style of dress, he would utter a rebuke in like manner. Also, a rebuke I quote in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel and with with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. The mass of professed Christians utterly disregard the teachings of the apostles and wear gold, pearls and costly array. God's loyal people are the light of the world and the salt of the earth and they should ever remember that their influence is of value were they to exchange the extreme long dress of course which was a bad one for the extreme short one they would they would to a great extent destroy their influence on believers whom it is their duty to benefit and seek to bring to the lamb of god will be disgusted Many improvements can be made in the dress of women in reference to health without making so great a change as to disgust the beholder. End of quote.
So to bring out the instructions and principles from here plainly, in our dress both morally and for our health, our dress is to cover us completely, especially should the limbs be covered because it is far from the heart. But then it should be in such a way as to arouse thoughts of more of purity and holiness in the eyes of those who behold us and it should also look good, it should be beautiful, it should be for glory and for beauty. So that we call people to Christ with our dress. And in the dress of the women as we are seeing now and the man, there should be a distinction. And the distinction majorly has to do with the trousers. And for the women, even though they are not wearing the trousers, they can wear their gowns or skirts completely covered, even the hands too. It's, over, it's close to the heart, but I, I, I do not place it on the same level with the limbs. But we shouldn't go at least opening the arms, so sleeveless and seeing the nakedness of the hands all the time. It should be covered. Then we should also remember that these things have their importance in the sense of arousing thoughts of purity or impurity in the minds of those who see us. It doesn't. We already saw what the gowns or skirts of the, of the ladies should be like. Like I said, should get to the boots. But even if you are in the house, it can be a bit shorter for somebody who is working. It can be short, shorter. It must not be one particular length, but at least it should cover the legs. It should cover the legs when we are outdoors. This reform in dress was what John the Baptist did and gave himself over to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. And since we have looked at the matter of health reform in previous devotions, I will not dwell much on that, but suffice to say that the Lord expects us to, to subsist on things that are helpful for us and avoid everything that is not good in our devotion two days ago i believe we looked at that so let us have a reform in our dress as it was for john the baptist that we may properly represent god on this earth and not be a blot or a bad influence to those whom we are trying to save may the lord give us the grace to put into practice all that we have learned let us pray Thank you, dear Father, for your words which you have spoken to us now. Please, Lord, help us to deny ourselves. Help us, Lord, to, like John the Baptist, be an example to those around us or a rebuke to those who are not doing what is right in our dress. Give us more understanding and help us, Lord, to glorify your name. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have misrepresented you in our dress. And help us, Lord, never to go back to that. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will love
That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that you may prove what is acceptable and perfect will of God that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that you may What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God?